Do you remember the first story that was so spellbinding that it drove you to break the rules and stay up all night? To keep reading, keep listening, keep playing? So good you forgot your life and lived there? So good that the moment it ended you asked yourself, what next? Welcome to the floor. Our goal is to take you back, take you deeper, to explore and understand more, and relive that childlike wonder. Join us as we dive deep into humanity's greatest stories, no matter how they are told, through books, movies, television, even games. One of us does an in-depth research on our topic. One of us is familiar with the topic. And one of us knows nothing. So the right questions will always be asked and will be addressed for anyone coming into the topic, regardless of how much you know. Enjoy another world, another adventure, another spellbinding story. Join us on the floor. Welcome to the floor. We are finishing up our Witcher edition. Uh, we're going to try and get through the season two. Season two, yes. This is the end of season two. We're going to try and get through the last four episodes uh, as we've covered a lot of the lore points already. Now we're just kind of following the characters through. But there's still a few things to bring up. So we're going to start here yeah. in episode five. Bah. Here is your quick summary of the events before we dive into the lore points. Um, Lydia frees a mage called Ryan's so she visits him in a debtor's prison um now, now in the Netflix series they don't clarify where this is however in the books this takes place in Sintra um so yes yeah, he frees a maid called Ryan's he uses fadger fire magic and is hired to find Cirilla um Geralt convinces Istred to help him study the monoliths and Yennefer tries to find yes gear Reince tracks down Yeskir and tortures him for info about Geralt and Cirilla, but is interrupted by Yennefer and then the two escape. Geralt and Estrid investigate the chasm left by the monolith. So they teleport to Sintra and then they go down into the huge chasm left when Cirilla broke Who's that Who's again? Strid. So this is the uh, mage that Yennefer falls in love with way back when she's studying magic. Oh, that boy. And then Geralt and him got together and... It's like a bromance immediately. So he went down to Nilfgaard to study monoliths. And this was, you know, years and years before Nilfgaard marched forward on Sintra. And then Cirilla broke this uh, monolith. And Geralt, uh, in the previous episode, like, they found the uh, special uh, stone in the creature they killed. And so they're like, it's got to have something to do with these monoliths. And Triss then knew that Istred was kind of the world-leading expert on monoliths. So she's like, she sent Geralt to talk to him. So that's how he is kind of brought back into the story, is he's the expert on these. Understood. So they go to the chasm where, uh, like, when Cirilla breaks that in the first episode of the whole uh, series... Um, it creates this huge chasm, so they go down in there to try and learn more. Yeah, because she unleashed like a whole brand new uh, Gen Z nanovirus on the world of monsters, right? Yeah. So initially, Geralt believes that the uh, monoliths are just like they come out of a lot of stone underneath it and they're caverns, but they're sealed away from the rest of the world. And Geralt thinks that. The monsters trapped in these caverns are isolated from the rest of the world, so they have mutated differently. 
Um, and then when they go down into the chasm, Estred presents the theory that they're not mutating differently because they're isolated here. They're actually teleporting in through other worlds, like they're connected and coming through. So that's his theory. And this is like the mutated Leshy um, that, that they fight. Yeah, so the Leshy would have been something that came out of here. It was different. Yeah. Which, when I watched that episode, I wouldn't have guessed that it split in two. I would have guessed that that was a completely different beast. Well, and it completely surprises Geralt as well when it splits mm. in two. It's like, Derek, supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, and that's part of his, like, you, you know, like, like, well, and he shows the half, the head to uh, somebody else, and they're like, what is it? He's like, I don't mm. know. You know, it's just like, this is. Thought you could help me. It's not something we, yeah, yeah I can't be you. Yeah. He's like, that he would have to This isn't a show yeah. and tell. This is a show. Uh, hey, yeah, this, do you have this an idea? Helpful that we started this conversation with, what's that? Because I brought it to you. <laughs> you. Yeah. That, that was my question. Right. So then, uh, Becky Caremore and Triss enters uh, Cirilla's mind to try and find her origins, and there she sees Lara Duran. And the prophecy that uh, Cirilla will destroy the world. Now, over the next few episodes, we're going to kind of learn more because Triss's reaction doesn't make sense in the moment. Um, and then uh, Cirilla demands that she be made a true witcher because they don't feel anything. And uh, But Geralt gets back in time and stops the process from happening. And then uh, Yennefer agrees to make her deal with Baba Yaga so she can get her magic back. And uh, so then she is sent to kidnap Cirilla. Uh, and then... Uh, wait, so... Wait, back up. So Yennefer, Geralt's love interest, is sent to kidnap Geralt's child interest? Yes. Okay, just clarifying. His child interest? That's funny. But, uh, <laughs> so... Back to the chasm briefly, uh, there is a creature that Geralt and Estred see, and it flies off, and then at the end of this episode, Cirilla and Geralt go hunting that creature. So that's kind of our summary right there. So let's move into the lore points. So Lydia, this woman who shows up to free Reince, this is Lydia van Bredrenvoet. Um, originally, she, she was an assistant to Vilgefortz. So this is the, uh, he's got the long, dark hair mage. He uh, is currently trying to become the leader of the Brotherhood along with Trisea, right? This is Vilgefort. So originally this was his assistant, um, and she was assigned to study a strange artifact that was cursed. And during the magical investigation, it detonated, killing three of the mages that were there, and it leaves her with uh, scars all over her face. And she actually doesn't speak. She communicates telepathically. And it's an illusion that her mouth is moving. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, like, her whole the whole bottom of her face is an illusion. Like, it's not really there. So, And we've seen this before in previous episodes. Like, uh, was it Strigobor? Showed that he doesn't actually have any hands. Because they got blown off uh, by Falca. So, yes. Yeah, so this is the kind of illusion we've seen before. All right. To go even deeper into Lydia would go to spoilers, so we're going to move to Reince. So Reince, this is the fire mage, right? He's the one who tortures Yeskir. Uh, he's always snapping his fingers and making the little flame appear. That This is Reince. 
So he attended the school of Bannard, and uh, he was expelled after two years for petty theft. After that, he was approached by Cadwin's Secret Service and trained as an assassin. And then it was Queen Calanthe who imprisoned him uh, in the debtor's prison. So we don't know exactly who he owed the debt to, but that's why he was thrown in there. So it's less of a, a holding prison and more of like that's where he sleeps and eats and then he has to go out and work because that's how debtor's prison works. You, you're All day you work like, you know, chopping wood or... You know, quarrying stone to pay off your debts. Just hard labor. Chain gang style. Same yeah. thing. So, uh, and in reference to debtor's prison, this is actually a term that was created by uh, political critics of the system. Um, originally, their, uh, I guess their official name was just a workhouse, even though people were chained up and kept in cells at night. Oh, so it's just so. a standard workhouse. Nothing, nothing bad <laughs> going on there. Well, these were pretty common That's just during the house. Middle Ages, right? Um, okay, so I think there's a... I did want to bring this up. So in, in the Netflix series of The Witcher, we have the Finwin, the plant that grows where Cirilla bleeds, and it's needed to make witchers, right? We've talked about this as kind of a variance. And I think one of the problems with them introducing this idea is that if that were true... Anytime she scraped her knee as a kid, got a bloody nose, we would have seen these flowers popping up, and we don't. Mm -hmm. Anytime Calanthe bled on a battlefield, you would have seen these flowers popping up, and we don't, right? Anytime her mother went through the same thing, growing up as a baby, you know, they scrape their knee, their hands, they get bloody noses. Yeah, but maybe these flowers would have been... only been woken up recently. Working up, you mean they're like cicadas? Imagine they can just say some random stuff about it, and then that—that's how it works in this universe. (laughs) You know they have the top tier writers at at The Witcher. You know, ask Henry Cavill. Okay, so um, another lore point is what's called Sad Albert. Um, Cirilla, when she's going to be transformed into a Witcher, is on kind of a bed thing, and she's like they chained chain her up and everything. This is referred to as Sad Albert, since Albert is the first boy to die on this little bed table thing. We're going through the Witcher experimentation. Oh, okay. Uh, in the games, you you will use Sad Albert a few times for various magical experiments on people who want to be experimented on, right? There's a guy who wants a curse removed, and it's a pretty intense process, so you strap him down to Sad Albert. So okay, Sad Albert's just a gurney, basically. It's cut. It's a blend of a table and a bed together. Mm-hmm. So, like a almost like a massage table, but just flat and hard instead of padded. And, and it's got the straps on it, so you can't get off. I mean, you can't. Yeah, and it's go got away. straps on it, so you can't get off. Yeah. Well, it's but, more because like when you're shaking and spasming, you don't knock knock yourself off onto the floor and hurt yourself. Yeah, more. if you're gonna die, you want to die. Be, Dying chained up. I get it. Or if you try like to sad Albert. say you want to bail midway through this uncursing and you're like, no, the curse is worth it. This is worse. Then they're like, no, nah, we're going to finish the process. <laughs> no, we're going to finish. You're already chained yeah, up. It's fine. <laughs> um, so the creature that Geralt and Estred see in the chasm, they refer to as a Chernabog. 
this was a creature entirely created uh, by the Netflix series. However, the term Chernobog comes from the Slavic uh, meaning black god, and there has an opposite cause of Belobog called the white god. And it's kind of these opposing sides of good and evil. And how this really fits into the spirit of the Witchers, we do see that uh, the original author, um, Andrei Sapovsky, he takes a lot of the Slavic myths and Slavic um, concepts and then shifts them and changes them as he puts them into his world. And so it's definitely something we see with the Chernobog. And like Baba Yaga is another one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back into episode six. Okay, so we have been mentioning at the end of our episodes recently about the treasure room, how, as Aaron likes to describe it, in the floor we go deep into things, but in the treasure room we kind of go wide. And... We wanted to give people who have never been in the treasure room uh, a little bit of a sample. So going forward, we'll probably be uh, putting in little bits and pieces here. So here is a small clip uh, from the treasure room. We hope you enjoy it and are interested in uh, learning more in there. Games, you know, they've... You, there can be change lore, and, and in the TV show, people don't seem to like it as much. And I think that's because you are making the choices. You're, you're changing it, and so you feel like... All right, so we've been talking about episode five, and... Uh had a few new characters introduced Lydia um, is she the one with the illusion mouth and all the burns yeah and uh, yeah know, we have a that's Jennifer Lydia saved Yassiker um, from Yaskir um, from uh, torture fire mage Rant. Um, uh, we learned about the Chernabog Good writing on that one. Or uh, fat, or sad Albert. I almost said fat Albert. Yeah, that um, would be sad too. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So we're just kind of cruising through this. Um, and oh, and uh, Yennefer's gonna get her magic back, or did she already get it back from Baba Yaga? So she was able to use it briefly, but she doesn't have it back permanently until she delivers Cirilla. She gave her just a little taste. Yeah. Just be like, well, Do you she like needed it, it in the moment to before? escape. So, and that's oh, and okay, it was in okay. that moment of desperation that she makes the deal. You know how deals are made. Oh, okay, I see. Oh, All you right. need it right now, right now. Yeah, hags. You wait till they're desperate, then they'll then they'll agree to anything. You know? Just give me your soul, dude. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's how hags work. They're like I'm gonna find out when you want it, and then offer to you then. So, moving on to episode six. Moving on to episode six. All right. So, begins with Geralt uh, tilling the Chernabog, and then he takes Cirilla to the Temple of Melitola. When you say he kills the Chernabog, uh, the Chernabog's not the table? 
No, Sad Albert's the table. Chernobog's the creature they found in the chasm. Okay, my bad. My bad. I thought that was two names for the same thing. No, no, Sad Albert is the original dyer on the gurney. Chernobog is just a really cool animal that is a fusion. Well, and instead of being like, we're going to take you for testing, it's like, you got to go visit Sad Albert. <laughs> Time to visit Sad Albert, kids. Yeah, you might die. <laughs> if you were hanging out with Happy Albert, you shouldn't worry. If you're hanging out with Sad Albert, you might not come back. So, All right, yeah, so it begins with him killing the Chernobog, and then he takes Cyrilla to the Temple of Melitola to study magic. Uh, and he does mention this is where he also learned to use his little sign magics. Oh, his, his little signs. His signs are cool, too. Francesca, that's the elf sorceress, encourages Frangilla, the Nilfgaard sorceress, to claim powers. So we have the return of Kair to Sintra. And Kair is a higher-ranking officer in the Nilfgaardian army than Frangilla. And so he's kind of taking over... And Frangilla doesn't like it, and Francesca doesn't like it. And so she's, like, encouraging Frangilla to push back against this. Because even though he is higher ranking than the Nilfgaardian ar army, all the elves see Frangilla as the leader, not Kair, and they don't like what's going on. So, Istred uh, goes to a group of people called, called Codringer and Finn for information. This is a detective agency. Um, and then Yennefer goes to the Temple of Melitola seeking Cyrilla and find Geralt and then realize the girl that she, she is supposed to kidnap is Geralt's child surprise. So she has that awful moment. Yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and then uh, Reince uh, attacks Kermorn and gets some of Cyrilla's blood that he uses to track her to the Temple, uh, temple of Melita. And Geralt fights them off, and Yennefer teaches Cyrilla magic to escape, but is also leading her to Baba Yaga. All right, so th that's kind of the summary of events. Namely, the the first one we have is the religion of Melitola. Now we have covered this in a previous show, so I'm just going to mention very briefly. This is the god of the harvest and fertility, and one of the most common gods in all human cultures. Right, almost any human culture with uh, multiple deities, you've got a god of harvest and fertility, right? Whether it's the Vikings with Freya, you know, just, they're always around. Or you just be like the Greeks mm -hmm. and you just marry her off to the Lord of Death. <laughs> Lord of Death. Agriculture is pretty important to humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what is it, uh... I remember one guy, like, he was actually, like, researching, like, a bunch of old gods and different stuff. And uh, he mentioned, he said, you know, a very common uh, god used to be god of the hearth. Hestia. Think about that. That's your fire pit. That's the home. <laughs> where you cook and have and have your, your, like, it's there for warmth and it's there for cooking. He says, for most of us, that is no longer an essential part of our day. He says, but for most of human culture... That place was essential to life. But it's also like the place where like they, they, they kept the the hearth warm while the guys were off in, at war. So like Hestia, the goddess of the hearth, she was like the homekeeper. She she like kept the it worth coming home to. 
little bit of a tangent, but I did think that was just an interesting perspective how our society has changed so much that that's no longer this huge thing. It's still a huge thing. It's still a huge thing. That's why people are depressed now. They don't because <laughs> they don't go back to that communal feeling because they're forgetting about Hestia. She's one of the most important goddesses in your entire <laughs> life, and you're forgetting about like communing with each other and being grateful for their hearth and home. Yeah, so not something unimportant. But thank you for being wrong. Thank you for being so. All right, so uh, another character we'll meet is Nenica. This is the head of the Temple of Melithila in. Uh, Elendar, that is where the temple is. So this is the kingdom of Tamaria, kind of the region of Elendar, like that's the city it's near. Oh yeah, so in uh, in the books, like when that uh, princess takes that huge bite out of his shoulder, right? This is where Geralt comes to get healed, and this that's kind of like his pattern. If he gets injured really badly, oh, the princess takes a bite out of his shoulder. So, you know, see, if you're not specific, that sounds like a just you know another Saturday night. For Saturday sure. night, yeah. So whenever he gets re injured really seriously, he comes here to heal up. Um, and uh, the temple and both and Nenica are famous for uh, their healing. So she makes a lot of potions and elixirs and salves and the a lot of the stuff she uses to do that only grows in some crystal caves that are nearby which is why so many she's an alchemist yeah which is why so many people come to uh the temple of Melitola for healing so codringer and finn um in the books these are two guys in the netflix series they have changed finn to the red-headed woman um but in both versions finn is crippled and in a mechanical chair that kind of gets wheeled about um, Finn is the research side like Finn because Cripple just sits in a room and studies all day reading things and uh, Codringer if they need to go out and get information from people that's his side of the business and then he manages the clients as well but they are they are technically a detective agency but they if they're not on a job they are just constantly gathering information all the time so I heard about this group in uh, in D and D called a House of Madani. <laughs> I kind of kind of know what's going on. Something similar. That is, uh, yeah, that's Codringer and Finn. It's House of Madani. Always gathering information. Like, hey, did you tell someone something? Yeah, they already know. I was thinking more like uh, Batman and Alfred. I don't, I don't know who those people are. So uh, Alfred stays. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's it for episode six. All right. Yeah. Let's go on to the next one. See if we can get it. So episode seven. So episode seven and eight, there are no more lore points to dive into. We can just cover the summary of events and then see if there's anything we want to bring up. Okay. So in episode seven, Estred learns the history of Cirilla's bloodline. And, uh, they, now this is. Uh, different than we discussed in the past. So anytime we've mentioned this in the past, we have talked about how this is played out in the books. And now we have enough information about the Netflix series to see what they're doing and how it's different. So in our um, discussions of the prophecy and the reason for Cirilla's bloodline was that the elves had gotten the prophecy of the end of the world in frost and ice. And they had then created this bloodline to um, create someone powerful enough 
to be able to open a doorway to another sphere and they could all go through and escape the end of the world. That was the plan, right? Uh, not to stop it, but to dodge it. Yes. So, in the Netflix series, the prophecy around Laura Durin and her bloodline was that the elves were creating a powerful weapon. And in this episode... It is Codringer and Friend who po Finn point out that that's a mistranslation of the original Elder. That they weren't creating a powerful weapon. They were creating a powerful warrior. And so now they understand that Cirilla's bloodline was created as a weapon against the humans by the elves. So it's not even really a mistranslation. It's still the same thing. A powerful humans, a powerful weapon. <laughs> same. So, all right. So we get that from... Codringer and Finn. So that may have some big changes for how this all ends um, now that we're dealing with essentially a kind of different prophecy. All right. So Cirilla and Yennefer uh, flee to the farmhouse where Geralt first found Cirilla to claim her as the child surprise at, at the during the Battle of Sodden. The three witches make all make a deal with Baba Yaga, right? Yennefer to get her magic back, Fringilla to reclaim her leadership and position. And Francesca for a child. And so she gets pregnant and now she has the elven baby. And now the elves who had all agreed to fight for Nelfgaard suddenly don't want anything to do with this war. Be like, we have children again. We're just going to leave and go have kids. Like, that, that, that's what we want to do now. That's what we always wanted to do. We didn't have that option before. <laughs> yeah. The human, this brings up a lot of conflict with the humans in Sintra particularly the Nilfgaardian commanders and leaders, because that was the deal. The elves got Sintra, and the elves helped Nilfgaard fight the north. And now the elves are breaking that deal because they got this baby. Right, so Geralt rescues Yeskir from a prison and learns that Yennefer is in league with Baba Yaga, or I think he calls her the infant mother. Oh, and you see so much bromance from that one scene. Uh, Geralt rescuing Yeskir, just like... An entire season's worth of love and irritation all in one little scene. It's adorable. And you see the extrovert and the introvert being they, each other's best reunited. each other all in one. <laughs> so, no. so that's how they do. That's how they do. All right. Um, and then Yennefer uses Cirilla to get to where she needs to go while teaching her magic. <laughs> right? She's leading her to the deathless mother, but they encounter all these obstacles. Wait, so the, the kid she was going to go find to kidnap, she's now teaching. Yeah, but I mean, she's, so like, they're stuck on the side of the river, so she's like, you got to build this bridge for us, Cirilla, so we can get over there. Because that's where I'm going to train you. <laughs> I care so much about you. You need to take good care of yourself. Also, let's go talk to those people with money. <laughs> that I can sell you to. So, Vilgefortz and... To Saya, uh, they learn from Triss about Cirilla, um, and they're trying to decide what to do. And then uh, Fringilla dislikes how Kahir and the other humans are treating and reacting to the elves, and so she kills off a bunch of the human commanders. And uh, essentially spares Kahir on condition that he supports her in whatever she's trying to do. Right. Um, and then Cirilla finally learns that she's being led to uh, Baba Yaga, or I think Valeth Mare is the name they use the most, but yeah. So the Deathless Mother 
Paulus Mayer, Baba Yaga, all same person. All right, so Geralt arrives and confronts Yennefer. You know, figures out what she's doing. He doesn't kill her, but uh, he's very upset. And then uh, a newborn elven baby is slain in its crib, and Volathmer escapes her prison. So when you say a newborn elven baby, this isn't the one that we're really excited about that had all the elves up in a tizzy. Yeah, this is the one. This new elven baby is it. Yeah. Oh, this is that elven baby? The elven baby just got murdered in its crib. <laughs> Dang, season three must be insane. That's going to breed a war. <laughs> That's going to breed. Well, no, the breeding died. Like, it was murder. <laughs> so, you can't breed a dead. Yeah, that is uh, episode seven kind of building up to the big thing. So the big, you got, you got, you got your two big things. The album baby's dead. Well, you get your three big things, right? A multitude of Nilfgaardian commanders are killed off by Frangilla. Volithmer mm -hmm. escapes. And the Elven Baby's dead. Okay. A lot of big things coming into the final episode. In here. in a 40-second wrap-up. All right. So we go to Kier Morin. Volithmer has taken over Cirilla and is killing off witchers as they sleep. Which is bad for um, witchers. Now, at, now, I will point out, like, way early on we discussed in the books there are only five witchers who show up at Kier Morin. In the Netflix episode, there's a bunch of them who show up, and all the witchers she kills off, none of them, we've, we have no name for any of these witchers. We have never met them. So it's kind of just convenient that they're there to be killed off. So Geralt rushes to find her, uh, Francesca and Philivandrel. Philivandrel, if you'll remember way back when, knocks Geralt out and was going to kill him. Geralt convinces him not to, and he tells Philivandrel, You've got to find a way to make peace with the humans or they are going to wipe you out. Later on, we find a boy with the string of elven ears around his neck saying that he fought against Philivandrel during the uprising. And we know that Philivandrel did not listen to shame. Now here with Francesca, he has turned over leadership of the elves to her. Francesca and Philivandrel decide that it was the northern kingdoms that murdered their child. So, and so that's who they decide to go and attack. That's who they decide to go and attack. So they go and they murder all the babies of the northern kingdom. Now, we don't know if it's all of them or just that one town or city, but they do kill them all. Geralt confronts uh, Volus Mare trapped in Ciri's body. Oh, no, he confronts Cirilla and then realizes that she's been taken over. Right, and then uh, Cirilla goes to the medallion tree and reveals that there's a monolith that it has grown around. What's the medallion tree? That's where they hang the necklaces of the witchers who have died. Oh, okay. So, Yennefer, um, so, they, so she unleashes the monolith and then lets out a bunch of monsters. The witchers are fighting it as Geralt is trying to get Cirilla out. Um, and eventually Yennefer is able to take Volithmer into her body to save Cirilla, and uh, then Cirilla opens a portal to the world where Volithmer wants to go. So then Volithmer leaves Yennefer and goes to whatever world she came from, and we see her join the Wild Hunt. Mm. Uh, they assume it's where she came from, but it may just be where she wanted to go. Right. 
Okay, so she might have used this place as just a hop in frequency. Hey, get me over there and we're good. But she joins the Wild Hunt. Yeah, so the Wild Hunt comes for Cirilla, um, but she's able to uh, teleport back to the continent before they reach her. Um, Yennefer has her magic back. And then Geralt has his girls. Well, I don't know if Yennefer's his girl anymore. <laughs> he's pretty... Uh, to Geralt, she is. <laughs> he's pretty upset, Amanda. He's the one who made the the wish, though. 100%, he's like, I will have, I am going to fight and die for this person. No matter how dumb she is, no matter where she is, I'm going to go fight for her. That's what he does. That's his girl. He'll go hunt dragons. She could be like, I don't know that guy. He's so irritating. He's like, I'm going to go fight for her. To say, uh, and Vilgefortz convene a meeting of the Brotherhood in combination with the kings and queens of the Northern Kingdom. And they fill everyone in about Cirilla, and they decide that she is more trouble alive than dead, and they put a bounty on her. And we finally meet Emir, Emperor of Nilfgaard, and Cirilla's father. Cirilla's father. Dr. Porcupine himself. All right. So, for our listeners, this is our question for you to either comment or write in, and uh, if we, we get some, we'll... We'll read them uh, on the air next time. What do you think of the Voleth Mare storyline introduced to The Witcher, right? Diehard fans of the books are against it because it's different from the books. But the games make up a lot of new storyline lines that a lot of the fans love. So, mm. as someone who has maybe consumed all three or just, you know, some of them, what do you think of the introduction of this storyline? Because... You know, I, there's a lot, like I said, there are a few diehard fans of the books who are just mad that Netflix has changed things, but the video games change things all the time because they have to give you choices, and all of those choices lead to things that don't happen in the books. All right, this is an excellent question. True. I'm going to answer this question in the treasure room. All right, yes, yeah, so you get our answers. Write yours in. We'll, you'll get ours in the treasure room. 